Welcome to Living Martial Arts with Master Ray Gale, aka The Dark Master. Living Martial Arts discuss and examines the everyday exercise, philosophy, and lifestyle of the martial arts enthusiast. The host talks about his own training, past and present, and he also interviews many martial artists to discover how they continue to live their own martial arts journey. Tune in for top tips on how to get the best out of your martial art. Or perhaps you're thinking of starting a martial art. This podcast offers you an easy way to dip your toe in. Sign up for the newsletter at livingmartialarts.com and get regular updates and training tips direct to your inbox. Follow the Dark Master on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Living Martial Arts. Hello and welcome to the uh, Living Martial Arts podcast with me once again, the Dark Master. I'm back with a, another great guest. I've been trying to get him on for a long time and our calendars haven't aligned, but it's great that we've eventually aligned. Uh, I've got Mr. Mr. Danny Dowling um, with us today and um, who's got a great, great story to tell. At least I think he has. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you're going to enjoy it. So how are you doing, Danny? Hi, yeah, I'm really good. Thank you for having me on. I've been, been a bit elusive, I think. <laughs> It's been a bit difficult to get this going, but well, I, I think it's the um, perhaps the, our, our lifestyles and and uh, uh, work schedules haven't uh, have not been compatible. But it's great, great to have you on, and great to um, thank you very much for for doing this. I appreciate, it. and I'm sure my uh, listeners will uh, will love um, you know some of the things you got got to, to say. So, I mean, without without further ado, really, it, um, you know, my first question is is to tell us a little bit about your you know your story um you know uh, you, you've been in you've been in martial arts you were in martial arts at quite a young age um like a, a lot of us but certainly a lot younger than I was when I started um yeah perhaps you can tell us about that why you started you know what what happened and um we can we can ask some stuff from there for it yeah so um my brother's about 5 years older than me he started taekwondo when he was 8 years old um i think around about the time he was green belt so was that, was that about a year year and a bit in sort of roughly about 12 months yeah yeah so around that time um i was like oh i'll, I'll give it a go being four years old as, as you do and um 23 years later i was still going <laughs> still going still going um yeah so we started obviously like way back in the day it was uh tagb uh before the inception of puma and uh, I was obviously there until uh, Puma started uh, under Master Johnny Black. Um, sorry, I was just saying the great and fantastic Johnny Black. Yes, yes, absolutely the the legend, as it were. Um, yeah, and ooh, can't remember. I've got my black belt, my first dance certificate up on the wall out there, but I can't remember the year. But <laughs> it's supposed to remember those sort of things. I can't remember the year, but I, I was about, I was I was nine years old at the time, so I got my first degree, and then um, yeah, and then it was a sort of like did a, a a bit of competing. I did a little bit as a color belt. I stopped for a little bit. I stopped competing a bit as a black belt, but I was still training the whole time, doing a lot more teaching that sort of stuff, and uh, got back into the competing again. I was probably. I think I was probably 12, 13 when I got back into the competing again with Puma, joined the Puma squad, all that sort of stuff, doing the squad training. Uh, we traveled around a bit, uh, doing a lot of competitions in Ireland, things like that. And um, yeah, I suppose it's like fast forward, really. I uh, got my my third degree eventually. Hmm. And um, I, I, I tell you, I, I remember the, I remember exactly. So it was, uh, we, I was, I was with Ed Common Roberts. Okay. Coming, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Coming back from uh, a competition in Ireland, so we had, in order to save money, <laughs> on the way there we we took like the the last bus from Exeter up to whatever airport it was. I think it was Stansted, and that got to the airport at about half eleven, and yeah. our flight our flight was about seven in the morning. So so we were there for a, a very long time, sort of sat around. I've n- never experienced an an all nighter in an airport before, and I hope I don't have to again. Um, but it was on the way back. Got a few of those, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think everyone that's travelled and competed has probably done a few of those, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was it was on the way back from that competition when uh, the shop owner of a card shop where I play Pokemon cards at he messaged me a link 
for something called Fighting Chance. So it's, it's kind of a bit, bit random, but what they do is every, I think it's every uh, Olympic cycle, uh, GB Taekwondo, they just do an open offer now for anyone to go and give it a go and join the GB squad. Um, so I did, you know, I, um, I applied and there was, there was a few of us from, from down our way that went up on the first, the first go, um, had a few fights, did some plyometric tests, that sort of stuff. Um, I was invited back for the second one. I think a couple of us were, I don't remember. Um, yeah, a couple more fights and uh, a couple more plyometric tests. And then I got invited back again for a boot camp. So that was a five-day boot camp in Manchester. So they put us up in a hotel and we just did five days of training and this and that. And again, a couple more fights. And then so from, I think it was around, they probably had around 600 applicants. They took... 30 40 of us so and i was one of those 40 so i was all of a sudden uh what was that it was october 2013 all of a sudden i was a professional athlete with gb taekwondo just out of nowhere basically so, which was awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, it was sorry go on no no you go, go you go for it well yeah it was uh it was it was a it was an up upsy down a year as i'm sure you you very well know um because it was it was not too long after I got the call to say I was in. Unfortunately, that we we lost Master Black. Uh, God rest his soul. Yeah. So yeah, it was a it was a big 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 uh, big load of changes all happening at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it it, it it's uh, it, it, I'm going to sort of rewind a little bit for a couple. Yep. Of um, it's really interesting because not not many. In my taekwondo uh, career as a, as a, as a taekwondo uh, teacher instructor, um, I've had one person get their their black belt at nine, um, and the person was really good. In fact, they, it was the first when we rejoined when we had Puma rejoin the ITF. Um, it was actually a young man called Michael Heal. He's a he's a tattoo artist now, but he was the first one of my students to actually compete um internationally for the for the itf when we got back into the itf and he was he was really good so that that was quite some feat for you because i think um i don't want to upset anyone now <laughs> but um i think it's a lot easier to get your black belt now at an earlier age than it was whoa there. whoa whoa <laughs> I, think, I think when you did it, it was a bit more difficult yeah um i mean i haven't i haven't stepped foot in a grading room for a few years but my ego wants to completely agree. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, 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 I think it is. I think it is. Um, you know, there, there are far more concessions now for younger uh, people, um, and, and I think you know when 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 you got it, um, and I, I remember, uh, I remember you quite well because obviously you know I was I was there. I was a, a mature individual when you were of that age, and you were getting your your black belt, and there was some some good um, some good. Uh, youngsters, but I think to get your black belt at nine at that at that time, you had to be very good, and you were very good. And I think going on from that, the fact that you you know you went on and you you know you competed, um, and you then eventually you know GB team and stuff like that really really shows um, the the kind of athlete and caliber uh, that you were. Um, and sort of talking about those that that. Um, uh, you know, selection for the for the GB squad. There was a couple of things that that I thought at the time. You know, with with yourself, um, and you know, perhaps you can answer to that. I remember speaking to you, and you you felt to me, or you said to me that you felt you were more suited to a, a WTF style um, of fighting. Um, and wh wh why did you say that? I mean, obviously, you know, you got into the squad, so you must have thought, "Wow, this is for me." Um, but but why did you think that? Um, I uh, I think two of the main reasons is one, I hate being punched in the face. Yeah, <laughs> that's number. We'll do to be honest. <laughs> uh, and number two is um, even though obviously what we did was ITF style, I I grew up doing a lot of w old, old fashioned like i'd say old school wtf drills with master black because he he'd sort of done a little bit of that and he was always passing a lot of that on so the very explosive leg stuff mm. i quite liked yeah 
um so that that sort of that sort of interested me a lot more than the sort of like where we are now with like with 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 itf and i suppose like the the they, they don't call it wtf anymore just just wt sort yeah. of took, took the f off but the one of the main differences that that I, I I would I would notice from from watching an ITF fight now and a WT uh, WT excuse me fight now is they initiate the same. It's front leg fencing. Yes. So yeah. So uh, front leg fencing, front leg fencing. Now the ITF one usually is a bit more aggressive with us with a single, whereas the ITF is a bit more K. Uh, sorry, WT is a bit more cagey and then explosive. But then the moment after that is very different because quite often the ITF moment after that is to sandwich each other together and punch and, mm. and find those punches and then a breakaway like turning kick or something like that 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 seems to be like sort of from from the from some of the videos i've seen that that seems to be quite a common interaction whereas obviously with the olympic style one there is no punch into the face it's a lot more as mm. soon as you create that close it's either stay there or move away and create a new kick and opportunity and as far as the the ITF style of sparring or fighting goes, I was never a big fan of that that split second where you're both sort of scrambling for face punches, and yeah. I never and I I never quite found a way around it. So the best way around it was to just bin it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's 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 a that's a fair comment. I think as well is is that I must say, um, f- for me, for me, I, ITF. Uh, the style of fighting might have suited me. And I think why, why it suited me was because I was actually, because uh, I'm short and I'm actually quite heavy for, for, for my for my height. <laughs> um, when I was in the lightweight, I was in the lightweight division and I was the, the shortest and the heaviest. And then I went up to the welterweight division, I was the shortest and the heaviest. So actually ITF style was quite good. But I mean, you, you, you got a really good build because you were tall and slim. Um, yeah. You had that reach. Uh, did, you know, was that one of the reasons you felt actually yeah, I could do quite well in this? Yeah, and it it was it was a weird time. We 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 had a brief phone call last night, and we sort of touched on it a little bit. But the the, the Olympic Taekwondo has been going through a bit of an identity crisis for a number of years. And when I joined around 2013, it was sort of like it was it was a year after obviously the 2012 Olympics, which was the first time that they did the electronic scoring system in the Olympics for Taekwondo, and that electronic scoring system changed the way that people fight in the Olympic Taekwondo style almost like almost entirely for for 99% of the competitors it it basically created that front leg fencing uh strategy and yeah. that that suits people who are tall so if you're 6 foot 2 6 foot 3 and you're able to make minus 63 wow like you've got such a heavy advantage because it's not about uh, 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 now, I say it's not about applying power. Obviously, you do have to apply a certain amount of power, or else the system won't initiate; it won't uh, register. But it's not a massive amount, so yeah. you can, as a tall, light fighter, you can very easily just pick points away with your front leg, and then if you've got the flexibility, you can flick one up to the face. Face uh, headshots don't require any power; it's just a touch. So even the most gentle touch of the end of your toenail to the head guard is going to score you those points. So the 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 shift that the electronic scoring system made to Taekwondo then it is basically why that they why they did the fighting chance as well because they they sort of uh, GB Taekwondo saw that people who do ITF or do like wacko kickboxing things like that they have this amazing front leg flexibility and strength which most WTF fighters didn't have. Yeah. So and. So that's why they sort of thought, oh, okay, well, we need we need to try and bring people in that can do that. Um, but yeah, I mean that that would be. I've forgotten what the question was. Now I've just ranted for so long. Well, no, <laughs> initially it started off with 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 your build and why why oh, yeah. beneficial, you know, for for yourself as an indi- as an individual because um, I mean those those uh, listening, how tall are you? Oh, I'm six foot three. I mean that that was a. Uh, you know, I, I remember being in in my division as a lightweight in ITF and fighting people six foot two that were sixty three kilograms. I mean, they were they were tall and really slim, um, and thinking right, you know, if that was perhaps a WTF scenario, I wouldn't have got away with it so much. Um, yeah, you struggle, <laughs> you struggle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I noticed that even, even watching it, I think right, wow, these two guys are, are this weight, but look how tall they are. <laughs> 
<laughs> unbelievable. Um, even though I, I like sparring with taller people, but it was mainly because I could sort of get inside and use my hands a little bit, and I was sort of quick off quick off my front hand. So, so that was quite good. Um, I mean, just just on the on the on the WT um, question, obviously there you know a lot, lot of changes. Um, but from from um, you know you mentioned being a, a professional athlete what what was it like for that time you know what 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 sort of things what was the training camp like you know did did they give you now even in itf i uh, you know I, I try and give my students um nutritional advice and whatever i never received anything when i was competing at that level you know i was just fighting so i could eat and drink whatever i liked um i didn't actually get that much instruction on how to train or even how to rest which was <laughs> i realized was quite important probably too late yeah so same as you before i joined the um the academy as they called it um there was not really a lot as far as nutrition advice or you know i'd never done any weight training or anything like that so i was 21 years old i was very i was was very thin to go back to the thin thing so i was six foot three i I actually went into the camp at 70 73 kilograms um so i'm now about 93 94 kilograms so i've put on yeah, I put on a lot of weight since then, but I was I was very very thin. Um, they did have uh, a nutritionist, mm. I believe the one that they had at the time. She was I think like kind of part time, and it was more of a passion thing. Like the 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 amount the funding wasn't quite there. I I think now they've probably got yeah. you know very well qualified nutritionists. So we did have nutritionists. We have t- we had two strength coaches. Um, one of them, he is now the head coach at the UFC center in America. So they got in very, they had very good strength coaches. They probably still do have very good strength coaches. Um, yes, yeah, so we, we did have that. Now the, the, the nutrition side was actually very hands-off hmm. to be honest. I mean, we, we were, well, most of other than the actual stepping in every day in training, it was it, like everything outside of that was pretty hands-off. Um, it was like the the sports psychologist is there. You can book him if you want it. The nutritionist is there. I think we saw them saw the nutritionist once a month, roughly, or you could see her more if you wanted to. So it was quite hands off. They 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 did get us a, a a day sort of with a, I think it was like a chef or something <laughs> sort of because we we all lived in an athlete house. So there was there was kind of there's like there's like one road in Manchester where there's about five houses all with taekwondo athletes in it. And um, so they just had a chef come in and be like, show us two or three recipes in our kitchen. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was quite hands off. Yeah. Um, yeah, like average training day. I suppose I could say right. So average Monday was for for me. So there was two groups actually, and there was split. So we had at the time it was Paul Paul Green and Darren Brown. Mm. Yeah. So they they took one group, and then it was um, uh. Stephen, um, Jesus Christ, I can't remember their names now. Oh, no, right. Uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and uh, Harry, uh, Hyungu, no, he was, um, he has a, a Korean coach that they, they brought over. I think he's gone back to Korea now. Um, but they they took the other group now. So, my so the, I was with Paul Green and, and Gareth, and um, we, we we'd get into train about oh, seven seven thirty I think it was we'd start first first uh, sesh and that was about two two and a half hours and then it would be a bit of a break and I'd usually go and do some kind of like rehab stuff or maybe it was a uh, I'd had a um, sports massage book something like that and then we'd go back in for another two and a half hours sort of afternoon training and then maybe another hour and a half sort of chill out and then it'd be hour hour and a half of evening uh, strength work like sort of weights and that sort of stuff so that was pretty much the everyday sort of four or five five days a week really and then occasionally we would do like a saturday morning cardio based sort of circuit stuff excellent well um but one thing i was i was gonna say and you, you mentioned about the um the, the training center in, in manchester and it always surprised me because uh, even even when I when I was sort of competing in, in the eighties and the WT uh, fighters, um, a few I, I knew very well at that time. You know, the one one of my favourite um, people in the world, uh, Mr. Ralph Minot. Um, you know, he was a WT that went to the Olympics, um, and um, he was quite close because he was he lived in Nottingham. Um, but if you take someone like um, uh, Aaron Cook, for example. 
I mean, he moved all the way up country to be to be closer uh, to the. Yep. Dole's thought was 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 quite bizarre that they had. I, I can understand having one training centre, but for for athletes, you know, I mean, if you're living in uh, like yourself in Devon, um, you know that that commute must have been quite quite difficult at the time and um, quite problematic, was it? Yeah, well, it was the first. That's uh, 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 what we did. From the day I moved up there to yeah. the first competition we did, we did like a, a sort of like a, a sort of a, a domestic, not no sort of Olympic points on it, that sort of thing. Just sort of, you know, get get your feet wet sort of thing. Um, we did a competition there that was around London. I think that was about a six week period between moving up there and then going to that. Yeah. And uh, my mum and brother came up to watch that comp. And that, that six weeks was the longest I'd ever been without seeing my mum. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so it was yeah that that size that was that was an adjustment and of course like i mean I'm, I'm from exeter and i now live in a smaller town just outside of exeter so moving up moving to live in a mate in a major city like manchester that's a big shift moving so far away from my family and friends that i couldn't see them essentially i couldn't see them that was a big shift um a lot of the athletes actually do go home on the weekends okay um somehow they can afford it <laughs> i could not <laughs> I was, so quite often actually on the weekends i was on my own just in the house you know rattling around um you know make that what you will it was you know yeah. I've, I've got netflix i guess <laughs> yeah you you, just, you you make the best of it and um yeah so it, it was it was a big 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 adjustment yeah yeah so i mean at, at the obviously you know, sort of, sort of move, moving on from there, and you had, um, you know, obviously, you, 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 you spelling competition. Was it? Was there any? Was there any? Um, any time during that competing where you thought, well, actually, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna make it all the way, and I'm gonna, gonna ha- hang in there, because obviously, you, you know, you had a period in there, and then you, 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 you know, you, you came out of that um, for whatever reason. Perhaps you can discuss that. Mm. Yeah. So the essentially the biggest reason I came out is because I wasn't winning medals yeah that that's it right that's you know like i sat we we had a meeting i sat down with the performance director gary and my my coach at the time when we and he you know he had it all printed out and he's like well these these are the competitions you've done this is the places da, 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 da. You, i just simply was not winning enough medals yeah. which is which is fair enough that's fine that's you know that's what i'm there for and i wasn't achieving that um they said in oh in training like you're brilliant you know you you're working hard you're you know you're pushing everyone else in in there etc etc so that that was nice but unfortunately the bottom line is the bottom line and i wasn't you know making that conversion um it obviously from the outside you can say oh well you know your job is to just train as i wonder every day that must be amazing it was but at the same time it was also it was sort of like it was sort of like balancing out between heaven and hell really yeah. <laughs> really it because it's if you wake up and you've got doms yeah tough you're you're training if uh you've got a broken hand which i did i broke my hand um in two places actually um i I know you're recording audio but you can see on the video you can see that lump oh yes yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. so that uh i got kicked up and then also straight on on the same day yes yeah yeah, so that hand that was broken um, I fractured my other wrist at the same time. So I actually spent a couple of weeks. I couldn't even open the dishwasher or anything at home. Um, but I was still training. You, you've got to keep training. I sprained my ankle. Well, it, it was sort of like the foot quite high up near the ankle. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been. So I sprained that. I, I rolled it. And then a couple of weeks later, I rolled it again. And then another week later, I rolled it again. And then I nearly didn't get to go to a comp. And then it's like the stress. It's like, if I don't go to the comp, are they going to want to kick me out? So that all sort of rolls in together. And it, it is, I mean, well, you're trying to be an Olympic athlete. It's mega, mega high pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's like anything. And getting in to the academy is like, okay, I'm I'm sort of top, say top 1% of in the UK of fighters. Mm. Great. But in on the international scale, I struggle to make the top 300 fighters for my weight category and there are potentially hundreds of thousands of minus 80 male fighters at any one you know given moment so yeah the 
it it it's cool. It, it it was cool and it was nice to do something like that, something that I did enjoy every day. But at the same time, some days you just don't want to do it, and then you you know, and it, it's it's not the sort of thing that you can phone in either. <laughs> you know, you're you're sort of it's seven o'clock in the morning. You're tired, maybe you're stressed out. You haven't slept well, and then you've got your yeah. chest guard on, and then you're running drills, and you're getting kicked in the body multiple times, sm- you know, smashed up. And that was just that was just week in week out, really. And that that's that's sort of the reality of it. So yeah, and, and to all the guys, everyone who's there now, and everyone who's done it, and everyone that's that's yeah. making something of it, and some people are self funded as well. So like anyone doing that, just hat, hats off to them, really, because it is it is cutthroat. It is tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's difficult. I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you said that. You know, I mean, any time you want to get to, you know, the, the the top level of your sport, whatever sport that is, there's a price. Uh, and people watch the TV; they don't see that price. They just see the sort of the end result, but they don't see the injuries. They don't see the the stress. They don't see the you know the demands that the coach is making on that individual. You know, when they step on the the podium, it, it it's 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 a real shame because you you almost want a, like a a TV camera say, right, they've won this medal, but this is what they had to do <laughs> to get. And as much as people say, oh, you know, it was this, and I got injured. People actually, until you're in it, you don't understand uh, what what it's like. I can't I can't say that you know a comparison uh, with with yourself with that. But at times, you know, people say, oh, you know, you're really lucky. I said, well, you know, you haven't seen me running six o'clock in the morning or uh you know when when i was had a, a a real job i was running to work skipping in my lunchtime running home training at night you know as you say um try, trying to uh, stave off the injuries and the soreness from <laughs> from the session before so um you know people people don't actually see that so i think it's um you know fair fair play to you uh for actually managing to to get through that and having to uh having to put yourself on the line like that and and the, I think the thing is as well is what like an injury is really stressful, isn't it? Because you know when you're trying to fight your best and you're trying to keep your injury out of the way, then you're not going to be at your best. You know, there's going to be something lacking. If you got a, if you got a hurt to your ankle and you're going to kick someone, and every time you kick them, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I mean, that that exact that's that's, that's that's a it's a great example because there was there was one when I I'd injured my foot, I was I was due to go and fight in Kos in, in one of the Greek islands and um, I was in training and it, every time I went to kick and it's my dominant leg of course it is of course it's the main leg I like to kick with that hurt every time I go for a kick ow ow you know it hurts it hurts you know and it gets it's bad and I'm sat out in the in the hallway with one of the coaches and I'm I'm yeah I'm, I'm upset and I'm stressed about it and I'm I'm tearing up and she's like well can you not just kick with your other foot? <laughs> that that was that that was the answer, and, and that that's yeah that that is the mindset. Unfortunately, and that and um, I mean I've 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 seen it before. I've seen um like Jade Jones who she's won what two Olympic golds and uh, she won two or three yeah something like that. You know she's most successful British taekwondo athlete um ever, and it's like yeah bro I I don't know what. I, she had something similar, like a like a damaged ankle. So just strap it, be all right. Yeah. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? You know, it's 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 you, yeah. It's that those blinkers. Uh, probably the best example of that, and is um Bian- Bianca walked and she she while we were we were in Korea, she and a few others flew to China for a a few days for a, a another comp, and we were all watching it. It was being streamed on online, and. Uh, she went down a bit funny and tore i think she just tore away her acl and her knee and um obviously we're all like devastated and i think this was this was to fight this was the semi-final so whoever won that would get into the final so she's there on the floor with a you know with an acl injury and she's just she's just shouting at the coaches just strap it just strap it it's like what are you doing? You can't like it's you can't literally can't stand on it. But that yeah, that's just that's the uh, uh that's the cutthroat mindset. Um, I mean that all that kind of stress that that did get to me actually. It did get to me, and I I ended up one day I I did struggle with my mental health while I was there, and one day I I just didn't have the willpower to get out of bed, and then um I spent a bit of time 
doing therapy as well, like not with the sports psychologist, with a regular psychologist. So yeah, like it, it did all mount up on me. It did get to me a bit. Yeah. Um, it was in, cause it's when like day to day, like right now I'm actually off work today and yesterday. Cause I've got uh 10, quite bad tendonitis in my Achilles. And it kind of got to the point I've got, I've got rehab, at, uh, not rehab. I've got a, I'm seeing a physio in a few hours, but, um, it sort of got to the point where I couldn't walk on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday evening and uh, uh, Wednesday morning. If that had happened, if if this scenario, if it, if it was the same scenario and I was up there, like, yeah, okay, I've got a few days of work, it sucks. But it would be like, I'm about to lose my whole career potentially. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm now really worried that if I miss this competition in a couple of weeks, are they now going to assess all of my my whole record? Are they going to now just boot me out? There's no real notice period, you know. They they don't really have time for that sort of stuff up there as well. It's not like, well, just you know, be restful. We're gonna, you know, we're 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 here for you. No, 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 no. We ain't got time for that. Like, are you winning medals? How long is this going to take to heal? You know that that that's it. And and that that was um. So I actually got quite bad tendonitis while I was up. I did get it in my groin. Um, and if you've ever, ever had tendonitis in your groin, basically every time you kick, it's just sharp shooting pain in that groin. It's awful. And um, we did four weeks of aggressive needling. So it was like between the groin and right down the inner thigh. They, it's it's kind of like acupuncture. But what they would do is they go in and then continuously jab it aggressively until the muscle spasmed. Right, so yeah. I, yeah. So I got that every week. I had that for about four or five weeks. Um, and then that didn't work. So we tried electric shock treatment, which was. <laughs> A bit, a bit different. It was like a, it was like a gun, sort of like a white gun-looking thing with a metal bit on the end. Yeah, yeah. And it would, it would jab and send electrical pulses at the same time. So I was getting my groin zapped every week <laughs> as well, as well. So we did that for like four weeks, and that didn't work. So in the end, I actually had to have an operation, and we put, we had a mesh put in. Yeah. Uh, but when the injury sort of really came up, for like obviously I I had niggles for a, a while, and it was niggling worse and worse. And I was like, right, okay, I need to get this seen. And it was like, I sort of sat down to have the discussion. I was like, right, right, what are we doing with this? There's two options. You can have this operation, put the mesh in. You'll be out for maybe a a, a few weeks, a month. Right. Yeah. The other the other option is we can just cut the tendon. You'll be out for six months, but you'll be way more flexible. It's like, well, if I'm out for six months, I'm now not really a fundable athlete. <laughs> you know, I've I've not earned the right to have six months off yet. You know, if, if I'd won a, a gold in Olympics and they were saying, well, we can have six months off, but we know that you're capable of winning gold in Olympics, so we'll we'll do it. That would have been fine. But as it as it stood, I couldn't. Make, I had to make the decision to do the other operation. So it's all even just like a small injury can become mentally so much more of a burden and then when something is a mental burden it starts to become a physical burden yeah 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 no that's that's a that's a that's a tough one and it's um you know it it's it's it, it, you know people listening to this i think will um uh, <laughs> will go wow <laughs> you know, <laughs> certain th- certain things that they never thought of like i said it, it's it's great when you're on that podium but you know what what's the stuff that's that's gone before so what what i mean obviously you know uh from there you know you you, you sort of came out of that what 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 happened after that in from a, a martial arts perspective i mean i know a little bit about it but go for it <laughs> yeah i um i didn't really tell anyone I, I i was out i just i don't know i just thought i won't spoil the surprise so i <laughs> i sort of came home and then um I don't know, a few weeks later, I rocked up at the Puma squad training and <laughs> it's like, hi. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did that. Um, came back, did some, did some comps, did the Puma, was it an international world? It was called one of the two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I did that. That was fun. Um, we went to Italy as well. Did that. Um, I don't know. I just, I, just, I think once you've, had a bit of a taste of that the top end it, it didn't quite feel the same yeah 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 no, and and it, yeah, the the sort of the 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 passion and the will and the drive wasn't there and if you haven't got that well then yeah you're not going to win are you so just sort yeah. of ended up dropping off a bit from that yeah. um yeah i don't i don't really actively do any martial arts anymore to be honest no i mean you you, you can i mean i know you had a you had a period of um 
uh, doing a bit of body combat, didn't you? Um, you know, as a, and I remember, I remember speaking, I think it was a while ago, I spoke to you about it. You were actually quite excited about it at one mm. time. You were actually quite, quite, quite into it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, so I um I I, I joined a, after I got back I I sort of realised like the, the first thing I wanted to do was just get a job so that I could get a gym membership because I enjoyed doing you know going to the gym so I, I just had like a, a crappy job in a supermarket it was awful but um but it, it got me it got me that that gym membership hmm. and I remember walking in one morning and the guy behind the counter was like oh there's this um this class going on called grit and I I think you quite like it so like, all right uh, all right go on then I'll give it a go. And it's uh it's one of the Les Mills uh classes and it's it's basically what it's their hit. It's their like high intention in, interval training. And um yeah, I walked in and yeah, it kicked my ass. <laughs> and it was great. And I, I did love it because I was, you know, I was still absolute sucker for physical punishment. Um so I kept going back and then I tried uh body pump as well, the barbell base workout, and then I tried body attack, which is kind of like really high energy aerobics and and then I, because um, years ago, uh, Master Black was also a pump and combat instructor, and I'd done body combat as a as a child. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll see what body combat's like as well. So I did some body combat, and, uh, and I was like, oh, do you know what? I think I'd like to teach this. Yes. Yeah. So, so I uh, I got my level two gym uh, qualification, and I got qualified in Les Mills pump and combat. Um, that was. Just over six years ago, actually, that was I got qualified. Um, yeah, I got mega, mega, mega into it. Uh, basically, my my full time job, I sort of transitioned because I was I was uh, I was delivering pizzas as well for a while. So that was like that was that sort of turn up at twelve and then mm. leave at eight. That that was quite a quite a common shift. But the the pizza place was not very well known or liked. <laughs> so I very very occasionally was doing an eight hour shift and delivering one pizza. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah they they ended up going out of business eventually but before they went out of business i managed to complete my whole level two gym mem- uh gym instructor course basically at work just sort of took my laptop in did the coursework there and then um as i sort of started taking more classes and that and started letting them down a bit more they were like yeah we're just gonna let you go now so i sort of gem- just sort of transitioned really into just teaching classes mm. um 2019 into 2020 i was teaching about 25 classes in a week and that oh. was a bit, yeah yeah it was a lot so that was sort of pump combat spin classes hit classes maybe a bit circuits you know all sorts of stuff going around to a few different gyms in the area um yeah i got uh qualified well i got i got i reached the level of a, an elite instructor in pump and combat so that was um after you get qualified, you're an, a regular instructor. Then you would do two different uh, advanced modules. So I did those, and then once you've done that, you're an advanced instructor. From there, you can send in videos of you teaching, and then they assess it, and you get feedback, and then you can get you can get qualified as an elite instructor. So that was sort of like as far, basically as far as you can go as a, as a regular instructor. Yeah. Um, I was then. Uh, a, I was then invited to become what they called at the time a tribe coach, which basically meant it, any instructor locally could sort of come to me for help and advice. So I was sort of seen as a as a helpful person, if you like, um, and sort of seen as very very competent. And that was to me like a pathway to become a an international presenter. That's sort of what I wanted to do. I thought, well, I could teach classes. I would also like to teach other people how to become instructors, do, doing those weekend courses. And and like and potentially travel around and 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 do all that sort of stuff. And I was, I was definitely on the path for for that. Um, I was I was sort of like traveling around to to events, and I was doing doing what they call shadowing. So I uh, there was an event. I think it was the Bristol Les Mills event. So it was all a room of instructors. There's probably two hundred instructors in the room doing uh, body pump, and I was on the stage with the trainer presenter but like not teaching it just sort of shadowing it in the background yeah. um so that that's sort of like uh again uh, that's uh, uh, as an instructor that's something that you would you would want to achieve if you wanted to move through uh through through the ranks through the levels um yeah I, I, it all kind of lockdown just kind of changed it really it, yeah. it uh because uh teaching classes you're well for me it was all i was considered um self-employed so it was all 
you know, I had to do all my own books and all that sort of stuff. But basically it just meant that when there was no gyms open, there was no work. Mm. So that's just, you know, it all just gone. Um, that sort of happened. And then I just, I, to be honest, like I always, I, I try and pride myself on being as sort of authentic as I can with myself. And I, I just didn't feel like that Le, the Les Mills as a company was moving in a direction that I liked. Hmm. So, so I sort of, I was quite vocal about that. Yeah. And the problem with, with that sort of industry is how clicky it is. As soon as you're vocally saying something against the grain, you're out of, you're out of favor. And as soon as I knew, I mean, I knew instantly I was going to be out of favor, but I sort of, I knew I couldn't not do that. If you, if, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I sort of like took a back seat. I still teach classes now, but I'm not, I'm not trying to push to be in the limelight with that anymore. So yeah, I sort of like had that peak sort of like dipped off the peak of, so I'm, I'm now tapering my classes back and I'm now an apprentice electrician. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. So, so the job like to speak, it's a bit like uh, politicians and having the whip taken away, you see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You say the wrong thing, we go, uh-oh. <laughs> or even if you say the right thing, <laughs> to the right, do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You use the right thing. So it, it it is tough. I get it. I do get it. And, um, uh, you know, so so how, how is it? Um, that, that's quite a change, actually. <laughs> that is a hell of a – see, my, my change was the other way around. I went from being an aircraft engineer to a, a martial arts – well, actually, no. In between, I had a few other things. I actually sold life insurance as well in between that um, and, a, and, a, and a few other things. But um, I went from aircraft engineering to um, basically being a martial arts teacher with a few bumps in, in between. People say, well – how did that happen? It seems bizarre. I said, well, you know, it was a, I had that, that passion for physical um, exercise and uh, that's, that's what I love. And that's what I love to, to, to this day. So do, do you ever see yourself? Um, I mean, you, you obviously you're still doing, um, you know, a certain amount of um, uh, physical um, training. You know, I, I know that you're into, uh, into your weight. So I see that on your social yeah. Like doing that, how's that going? Yeah, I've, I mean, like, that, that's sort of like the bulk of what I enjoy doing physically now is is essentially it's a bit of a cliche, really. But yeah, I just like lifting weights now. <laughs> you know, I, I I dabbled a bit, a little bit with the Olympic lifting, doing cleaning jerks and snatches, that sort of stuff. It's quite hard in the joints. Um, I I dabbled a bit in uh, strongman. I actually entered a strongman competition as well as a beginner, so that was that was interesting. Having to do sort of like a like one rep max on the deadlift and lifting picking up atlas stones and things like that yeah. um yeah so that, i mean that that was that was tough because that was obviously i'm as we, you know, we talked about my build before i'm not built for that <laughs> funny enough <laughs> you know I'm, I'm not built for that but did manage to pick up yeah 100 and 115 kilogram atlas stone i've been able to pick up now that's 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 pretty good isn't it yeah well it, it's 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 really uh once you get the bug uh, and i mentioned this to a number of uh, people i might have said it on one of the podcasts that when i finished competing i still had this burn to physical and i actually went into deadlifting and bearing in mind at the time when i i actually finished competing i was i know 73 kilos or something like that and i used to go into the gym and do some big weights deadlifting and benching and um some of the olympic lifts like that and i actually went up to 80 kilos really quickly um put on a lot of size and um but i found that it, it didn't really mix that well with my martial arts and because i was quite short and whatever i, I felt very slow <laughs> i felt very slow so I, I i sort of stopped stopped doing it i mean I, I do my resistance stuff now but um more more for um just to keep my muscle there and um just general uh fitness really and it enabled me to to teach so you know, it, it it tends to suit me now, and um, I'm I'm back down to you know the uh, I don't know probably about seventy two kilos I suppose um, that that type of that type of size. But uh, so, what, what, do you have any apart from um, you know your your um, new career as an as an electrician? Do you have any other physical goals that you want to complete at this time? Yeah, I so I did the strongman competition. That was this year. I would like to do another one-off competition because I'm never going to do another strongman again. But um, I'd like to do a bodybuilding competition as well. Oh wow! Oh, that's yeah, get on stage, get 
oily and greasy and tanned and have other men decide if I look good or not. <laughs> no, that's, that's 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 really interesting. Really interesting. I, th- I think um, it's funny with um, that that sort of uh, competition because you don't you don't hear as much about it now as you used to. When I when I was um, uh, you know age of sort of 13 and whatever and arnie was still his his name was still quite big and you know we were all buying um muscle magazines and whatever um i'm sure they still exist but i don't know i i, I don't know if you, you don't see it in the mainstream so much these days um as you did then well i think the thing is with with the age we live in now is that if if you're interested in something then mm. like the the algorithm will find out you're interested in it and will absolutely shower you with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I'm, I've got a bit of an interest in it. I, you know, I might watch a few bits and bobs on YouTube and now I, 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 I get bits, you know, things come up on a Facebook news feed and stuff like that. Um, I mean, say like the world of like, ah, the world of rally, for example, Rally's great. I don't really watch it. So I never see it. But I'm yeah. sure if you're into rally, it's probably massive. That's it, I feel like that's that's just kind of like where we are now in the world, where things can be massive. But if you don't know about it, then it, you'll just completely avoid it. If you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're, you're probably right because um, I mean I like my guitars and motorbikes, and um, on my social media feed, that's what I get. <laughs> guitars and motorbikes. Here, look at this. <laughs> Oh, this is, a, and it, it tempts me into buying a, a new guitar, and I've got I've got to stop myself uh, buying guitars because that, that's one of my. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got to go to guitar therapy, I think, because <laughs> I just like the look at thing. Oh yeah, that I wonder what that plays like, and that's it. I've, once I've got it in my hands, I have to have it. <laughs> so, yeah, well, how how many guitars do you have? You have like loads there. Oh, um, I think all in all. Probably about fifteen. Um, there's a few that are on, not on display here that I've got tucked away in in um, boxes. But I have I have promised myself that I would sell some uh, and and get rid of some and maybe go on a nice holiday or something um, <laughs> somewhere some somewhere warm. But to to be honest, um, it, it's it's not a bad vice. Uh, music is a lovely vice. I do like my music and I do like playing it. Um, and um, you know, it, it's something that. Um, I actually started about the same time as I started martial arts, and unfortunately, um, my music suffered, and my martial arts, you know, I did okay in that, and um, I'm coming back full circle now. Still enjoy my martial arts, but my main goal is to play better music and uh, um, go and see uh, live artists, which is, which I've managed to do in the last couple of years. So I'll I'll, I'll do a bit more of that. So yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, that, that that's great. Well, hey, we're coming towards the end of end of this, but what what I always say to to my guests is I'd love to chat to you again and catch up um, with how it's going, um, you know, with the the electrician and also the physical side of of, of what you do as well. Um, I j- just want to say thanks, really, because it's it's nice to um, you know chat to you. Obviously, known you for a long time as a as a young lad, and now as a as, as a man and uh, the stuff that you've gone through, I think it's quite an inspiring story um, because you know there's a lot of people out there who want to um, who aspire to to be elite athletes, but actually there's a lot of work behind that. There's a lot behind the scenes, um, and it's not easy going. It, it's it's hard, and there there will be setbacks. Um, and I I said recently that um, you know in the in the class of martial artists in the in the class that I joined. I was the best failure. <laughs> I was the best failure, which me- meant in the end, actually, I, I did okay because I was quite happy failing. I just came back and kept trying. Um, you know, fair, fair play to you as well. You, you, you've done some great things. You've done some stuff that actually most martial artists will never do, um, you know, and become a professional martial artist and actually get paid to train and compete. Um, so, you know. Well, well done to you. So, just finally, I don't know if you've got any any words of wisdom to the, the youngsters out there. Go for it. Ooh, I'm sure I do. But I'm on the spot now. <laughs> um, do you know what? It, what you're saying about being the best failure, or yeah, is that what you said? Best failure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So interesting you say that because do you know what? if you look at my grading card as a color belt, do you know what you'll find? L pass, triangle. L pass, 
El Fasis. I was an atrocious color belt, absolutely atrocious. And you could say, well, you're very young, but it doesn't matter because when you're in the dojang, when you're doing what you do, it doesn't matter whether you're five years old or 55 years old or 155 years old. If your psychic position is wrong, it is wrong. And that that's it. So, you know, if, if, if you're in that position, if you're young or even if you're not young and, and you're struggling along, if you enjoy it and if you genuinely really enjoy it, then there's can't be any excuse to not do it. Um, like something we we haven't talked about my 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 time spent playing the Pokemon trading card game. So I, I actually competed in a World Championships in the Pokemon trading card game. Yeah, I went to Hawaii in 2010. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so I, I I took a break from that when I moved to Manchester. I stopped doing that. Mm. Um, but I've got I got back in over lockdown. Of course, I had nothing better to do than sit at home and twiddle cards. So I've I've gotten back into that, and I I don't know that I'll ever be the best player, mm. but. There's just something about it where I can't stop playing. <laughs> and I suppose it's it's probably similar to what, how you feel about the uh, music as well. Um if if you if you just if you're just into it, if there's something you're really into, yeah. then and you're really into it, then if every fiber in your body's telling you I want to do that, then that's what that's what you gotta do, you know? That's what you gotta do. And that, I I I truly believe that is the key to finding real happiness in life. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Thanks. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. I, I, I totally, one hundred percent concur with that. Um, that you, you've got, you've got to do the stuff that makes makes you happy. Uh, and sometimes it may be that it'll it'll uh, cost you a little bit. You know, like my 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 passion for music and guitars, which has cost me a bit, but I don't see it as a uh, as a cost. I see it as an investment. Um, and I think if you look at it that way. Um, and it makes you happy, and then I, I, I truly believe you're right there. But uh, thanks. Just stay on the line before we, uh, as we finish. I just want an, another chat after this. But I, sure. I hope you've enjoyed uh, this as much as I have catching up with uh, Danny Dowling. There's loads of stuff that he's mentioned that I never knew, uh, which is great because it's always um, the good thing about doing this is I find out. Um, people that I've known for a long time. I find out things that I've never known. So, um, you know, thank you very much for that. Uh, I'd like to say thank you. Hopefully I'll be back very, very soon uh, with another guest and another Living Martial Arts podcast. Thanks very much, Danny, and see you soon.